0: This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. Last Sunday night, we went down to the plains of Babylon, the plains of Dura. We looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wednesday night, I went back into that. And this morning, I want to look again at these three men down in the furnace of affliction. I want to answer a question for you that I know that some of you are asking, Can I survive the fire? Daniel chapter number 3, and in verse number 1, I'm going to read verse number 1. Then I'm going to read verse number 17 and verse number 18. Can I survive this fire? Well, the answer, the Bible says in verse number 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was threescore cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Now I want you to look over at verse number 17 and verse number 18. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, Somebody needs to circle that phrase, but if not. God, you're able to, but if you don't. Be it known unto thee, O King, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. This morning we come again face to face with three young men three men who've had their manhood taken from them, three young men that have had their identities changed, three young men that have been abandoned by the very people that said, we'll always stand. They have come to this place out in this this province in Babylon called the Plains of Dura. And out in the Plains of Dura, they have been put face to face with a 90-foot golden statue in the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, why did Nebuchadnezzar make a 90-foot golden statue? Well, the answer is fine in verse number 2. You remember Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he was given in this dream this big statue, and at the top of it was a head of gold all the way down to the feet that were made of iron and clay. And he didn't understand it, and Daniel said, Now, O king, you are the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, you are the mightiest, the greatest, the most royal, the most regal. You're at the top, baby. You are it. And what Daniel was telling him in that dream was that God was going to bring this image, this vision, this, this history, this timeline to pass. So you know what Nebuchadnezzar did? He did what the world always does. He tried to do it himself. He said, well, I'll tell you what, if God says I'm going to be a head of gold, I'm not just going to be a head of gold, I'm going to be an entire statue of gold and everybody's going to bow down to me. But what what he did not understand is while he could command people's fear, he could not change these three Hebrew boys' faith. And these three Hebrew boys, they say, we absolutely will not bow, we will stand. And it is that stand that puts them in the fire. Now, whenever I say the word fire, you and I conjure up ideas spiritually of opposition, of pain, of problems, of situations, of things. And I'll tell you right now, you and I are in fiery trials I don't have to explain that to you. I don't have to tell you and make you apply what is a fire. I I listened to a message one time by a preacher. He spent an entire message trying to get people to figure out were they in a fire. You know, it don't take long being saved, walking in this way to figure out you in a hot spot, honey. It don't take long. Am I right about it? And he says you were in this Fire. Now, ladies and gentlemen, they get to this place and this is what they say in verse number 17 and verse number 18. They say, we know that we can survive the fire, but I just don't know if we will survive the fire. Ladies and gentlemen, problems and pain have a way of making us have doubt. It is not on the high times of life you'll doubt It's not in the big times of life that you'll doubt. It's in those low spots. It's when you cannot make heads or tails of it. It's when the fire is raging hot that you look around and say, God, I know you said I could, but I just don't know if I will. Now, how in the world is it that people of faith and people of character and people of integrity and people that love God and try to walk with God and seek God, how is it we can doubt so many times and why is it that we struggle in the fire? There's three reasons I'll give them to you why you and I struggle in the fire. Number one, we struggle because the fire is strong. You see that word right there in the, word, in the verse number one, Watch who throws them into the fire. The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar is the one that built this idol. Nebuchadnezzar is the one that made them, that made them bend over. Nebuchadnezzar is the one that is putting them in the fire. I looked up that word Nebuchadnezzar. You know what that word Nebuchadnezzar means? It means Nebo will protect. Nebo was a a Babylonian god, and Nebo, this Babylonian god, he was the god of writing letters and law. He had nicknames, this, this Nebo god, this Babylonian god. This was the name of Nebo, one of his nicknames. He was known as the Lord of lords. You see, whenever somebody said that this God was the Lord of Lords, you know what they were saying? They were saying this God is the most powerful God in the entire pantheon of Babylonian gods. Now, why in the world would that matter? Well, you got to understand ancient culture. You see, back in ancient culture, whenever two nations would go against one another, it was not two nations fighting. They believed that the gods of those nations were the ones that were going to battle. And the the nation that won, it was their way of saying, our God is bigger and greater and stronger than your God. And Babylon had defeated Judah. They had defeated the people of God. And that was Nebuchadnezzar's way of saying, evidently my God Nebo is bigger than your God Yahweh. And so here are three Hebrew boys who in their minds, their God had just failed. You know what they said? I don't care what you think about your God. I ain't bowing. You know, brothers and sisters, that little phrase right there, Nebuchadnezzar, it was God's way of reminding you and I how strong our problems really are. Can I ask you a question? How many of you know you can deal with what you can deal with, but it's mighty hard to deal with what you can't deal with? I never battle, I never struggle, I never have doubts, I never have fears when it's a problem that I can do something about. Am I right about it? Yeah, if it's something that I can just make a phone call and change, we'll just pick up the phone. Now, I know this generation, y'all don't like to get on the phone and talk, and some of you just like to text. I don't do all that stuff. I just get on the phone, deal with the problem. But how many of you know most of my problems and your problems can't be dealt with? with a phone call. How many of you know that sometimes your problem will be stronger than you and bigger than you and higher than you and more lofty than you and no matter how many times you call, no matter how many times you text, no matter how many verses you put up on Facebook, no matter how many times you get on your face and pray, no matter what you deal with, you'll get to that problem, that situation, that fear, that anxiety, that struggle, that trial and you'll say, God, this is bigger than me. I don't know if I can survive. This. Second reason we struggle with the fire is not just because of its strength, but because sometimes it seems senseless. Watch where it says that they were in verse number one. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth was six cubits, and he set it up in the plain. Now, I don't know if you understand geography in the Bible. There are different things that the Bible will describe geographically. If it talks about a hill or a mountain, that's always descriptive of the presence of God. Whenever something is a valley, it will talk about a valley. A valley is just the low spot between two what? Therefore, whenever you see a valley in the Bible, it's God's way of saying this is a low spot between where I had you and where I'm taking you. But a plain's different. You see, a plain in the Bible is the Hebrew word which literally means a long, flat spot. If you're in a long, flat spot, you know what that means? You can't see a mountain that way. You can't see a mountain... That way. Let me put it like this. If you're in a plane, you don't see God that way. And you don't see God that way. How many times in our problems do we look and we say, God, I don't see you anywhere. God, I I don't see what you're doing. I don't see how you're operating. I don't see why you took me from there. And I cannot see why or where you're taking me over there. How many times would you tell me and I would tell you if I knew what God was doing, I wouldn't doubt Him. But how many times do we get in these problems and these situations and these trials and these these heartbreaks and these heartaches and we say, God, I can't see what you're doing and I don't understand why you're doing it and I don't know why you had to operate that way and I don't know why you had to make that person turn against me there and I don't know why that doctor's report was necessary and I don't know why I had to lose that over there and I don't know why that break had to happen over there and I don't know why that mindset's happening to me right there. God, I can't make heads or tails of what's going on in my life and when you get to that place, when you can't find God and you can't figure Him out, it will leave you saying, I just don't know if I can survive this fire. The third thing that they really battled with in this scene was the fact that they didn't know if they would survive. And the problem with that fire is the fact that it is a scene fire. Now I want you to watch something. Watch where the plains are. It says they're out in the plains of Dura. D-U-R-A, Dura. In the the Aramaic and in the Hebrew, that word Dura, it literally means the inhabited place. If something is inhabited, you know what that means? There's a whole bunch of people there. You with me now? He didn't just take them out to the middle of nowhere to have this, this big festival and this big worship session. You know where he took them? He took them where everybody was. You see, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to be in the fire, they weren't going to be in the furnace where nobody could see them. Everybody had their eyes on them. Can I ask you a question? Would you and I struggle with battles if we could just go in our room somewhere, cuss the wall, and nobody hear us? Don't y'all sit there and look at me like that back row. I'll call you out right here in the house of God. Yeah, you know, we wouldn't battle with stuff if we were all by our lonesome. I wouldn't battle with stuff. It wouldn't bother me nearly as bad if I could sit in a cold, dark room and say whatever I wanted to say. But my problem is my fires happen in the presence of others. You know, I don't go through my battles by myself. I've got a wife that has to walk through them with me. And you know, it's those battles that that I say to myself, maybe I can figure it out. And then all of a sudden, she'll bring questions to me. And I don't have answers to those questions. And then when me and my wife can get it figured out, I got two little ones that say, Daddy, why is this happening to us? And then I've got all this stuff that I finally figure out in my my family. And then I got people in the church. and, And I'm not by myself. You see, you'll go through battles and you'll go through trials And whenever you just want to be in a cold, dark room by yourself, somebody knocks on the door and says, Mama, are you in there, Mama? Daddy, will you come play ball with me, Daddy? You got a boss that's that's hammered down on you. You got loved ones that still expect you to keep on going. And you finally just get to this place where you say, God, I don't know if I can survive the fire. Beloved, none of us live and none of us die in a vacuum. You know what that means? Everything I do and everything you do, it touches somebody else. And Brothers and sisters, there'll be so much pressure on so many people and I have never seen a more pressure-packed generation than what I'm dealing with right now. Son, I mean, people have got so much on them. We got financial battles on us. We got physical battles on us. We got health battles on us. We've got emotional battles on us. We've got spiritual battles battles on us. We've got church battles on us. We've got national battles on us. We've got statewide battles on us. We've got self-induced battles that are on us and all this pressure and I mean son we're ready just to pop at the mention of it. That's why people in our day can somebody can run and cut in front of you in a red light and I mean son you a hunt your Smith and Wesson just to let him know what you think about them. Man what happened to the people? Man my grandmother, my grandfather, my great grandmother, my great grandfather you could do and say anything and they'd sit in their rocking chair and then just snoo- and chew their snuff this generation's got more goes more and does more and is more pressure packed like a pressure cooker that hadn't had a steam valve turned in months and there are people in this congregation and watching us online right now you know what they're saying one thing i just don't know Can I survive this fire? Can I just give you the answer in a real short way? Yes, you can survive the fire that you're in. You can survive the problem that you're dealing with. You can go beyond where you think you're at. You can rise to the mountain that's off in the horizon. You are going to get out of this flame. You are going to get out of this situation and it may be one of those things where you say, but God, if not, I don't know what you're going to arrive at. I don't know when you're going to arrive there and I don't know how you're going to arrive there, but whatever you're facing, whatever you're fighting, whatever you're battling, whatever flame rises up against your soul, you've can survive the fire. I'll give you three ways that you can survive the fire. You say, how do you know I can survive the fire? Well, you and I have got the privilege of being able to look backwards into that story. And we realize in that fire, they were not by themselves. When they thought they was three, there was really four. When they thought they were by themselves, there was somebody that was standing in that fire with them. Ladies and gentlemen, I remind you right now, you'll get to heaven one day and you'll look back and you'll realize you were never in one trial in one battle, in one fire, in one furnace, in one problem, in one test, in one situation by yourself. There was a fourth man that was standing with you. It was the very person of the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus. So therefore... You can survive because He's with you. I'll give you three things that you'll know about Christ Jesus the Lord that'll help you know that you can survive the fire. Number one, in verse number 17, you can survive the fire because Christ is able. Notice what it says in verse number 17. These three Hebrew boys look at Nebuchadnezzar the king with Nebo standing beside him, and they say, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able. He said I want you to know king I'm not worried about your flame and if you think you got a God that can survive a flame and you want to throw us in water when you put us in water our God will walk on water and when you take our bread our God will be bread and when you remove our drink from us our God will be the fountain and when you put us out in the desert our God will be a cloud and when you put us in the cold our God will be a fire. You can't do anything. You can't face anything. Our God he is able. Somebody needs to look the devil in the eyeballs and say my God Is able. Somebody needs to look the world in the eyeballs and say, my God He is able. Somebody needs to look their family and friends in the eyeballs and say, my Jesus He Is able. Somebody needs to look the problem in the eyes and say, my Jesus, He is able. Somebody needs to look the people around you in the eyes and say, my Jesus, He Is able. Somebody needs to look your faith in the eyes and say, my Jesus, He Is able. Somebody needs to look whatever you're facing in the eyeball and say, I don't know what your face it. I don't know what you're fighting, but my Jesus, he is able. Take that word able in your King James Bible and circle it because that word able is an interesting word. It means to overcome or to prevail against. Now here's what's interesting about that word able. That word able comes from an Aramaic word and a Greek word or Hebrew word rather. And what it means is not nearly as important as how many times it occurs. The word able, which is from the Hebrew word and and Aramaic word. Y'all love it when I use my language skills. Makes you think I'm smart. I'm really not. I looked it up in a book. It's the Aramaic word "yakel." Don't even think about writing that down. Here's what you need to know about it. That word "yakel" it occurs 14 times in the book of Daniel. 14 in the Bible is the number of deliverance. Every time you see the number 14, God's about to blow the wall out. Every time you see the number 14, God's about to do the impossible. Every time you see the number 14, God is about to take people that are in chains and bring them to the other side. It was on the 14th day of the month of Nisan that our God slay the Passover lamb and the death angel passed over the people of God. It was on the 14th day of Nisan that the people of God looked at Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and watched him say, it is for Finished and he bled and he died and paid for the deliverance of you and I. Now, here's the point. This is the whole point. 14 times in the book of Daniel, that word Yakel, Abel, is mentioned. In Daniel chapter number 3, verse number 17, that's the fourth time that word Yakel is used. Here's what I got to thinking God is building a portfolio of his ability. 14 times, he's got 14 pages, 14 pieces of the story. And these three Hebrew boys were sitting there saying, I wonder if I can survive this fire. Can I ask you a question? If God's building a portfolio of his ability, do you honestly think he's going to let their page be the page that he fails on? You see, you and I have got this idea that we're all by ourselves and we're the only one that matters and we're the only one that's alive and we're the only one that's going through. No, 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 no. You and I are a part of the story of God's glory and power and grace and we're a part of the grand mosaic of human history where when we get to the end of it, we're going to look back and see the grand ability of our great God and your story and my story we're just another page in the book. Do you honor honestly think that in that grand story, that grand novel of human history that's entitled God's goodness and God's power, that your story or my story is going to be the only one where it says God was not able? No. You see, the devil's got you and I convinced that your story is a different story than any of the other ones. Different plot? Yes. Yes. Same outcome, though. You know, I'm amazed at how some people watch soap operas. My family and I, we have one hobby. Wednesday night after church, now y'all don't judge me, y'all watch worse stuff. We go home and we watch Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. Can I get all the NBC fans to give a witness in the house of God right now? Yeah. Man, we love it. My kids, we let them stay up. We don't even take them to school the next day. We, We love it so much. You know what I'm amazed at? We get enamored with this plot line. It's different every single week. I got tired the other week and I, I went to bed. Erica said, you're going to miss what happens. You know what I said? It's going to turn out the way it always does. They'll find the bad guy at the very last moment. They'll rescue whoever they're trying to find and they'll figure the whole thing out. Woke up the next morning. Erica, what happened last night? Exactly what you said. You see, your story in the book of God's power and God's ability, it may be a different plot line than anybody else's story. But at the end of the day, your story is going to turn out just like everybody else's story behind you and everybody else's story before you. The God that you serve is the God that is able. He's able to handle problems. He's able to handle trials. He's able to handle fire. He's able to handle whatever you go through. And it may not turn out like you want it to. It may not turn out in the manner you thought it should. But I promise... I promise you, when you get to the end of your days, you'll look back over the entirety of your story and you'll have one phrase. My Christ is able. Can't you survive the fire? Yeah, because Christ is able. Number two, look in verse number 17. How do I know that you can survive the fire? Because Christ is faithful. Watch what it says. If it be so... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Now, that is an interesting phrase. Now, our God, he's able to deliver us from the fire. But you mark her down, king. King. He will deliver us from your hand. Now, what in the world is that all about? You've got to look back at verse 15 to figure that out. Look at the end of verse number 15. Watch what it says. At the end of the verse 15, it says, Ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God? that shall deliver you out of my hands. You know what he said? Nebuchadnezzar said before this thing, he said, you are about to go into a fire. He said, you keep talking about this God. Don't you know I just beat that God and I'm going to throw you into the fire, but yet you keep talking about some God that's going to deliver you out of my hand. Your God can't even deliver you out of the fire? And you're telling me He's going to deliver you out of my hand? Nebuchadnezzar got them a backbone like a spiritual saw log, son. They stood up and they said, let me tell you something. They said, our God is able to deliver us out of the fire. He said, well, how do you know that? They said, because our God, this won't be the first time he's ever dealt with something bigger than himself or bigger than us, but it ain't as big as him. Our God's dealt with bigger things than this, and he ain't afraid. But you mark it down. He may not take us out of this fire, but whether we die in this flame or I come out on the other side of this flame, you ain't going to have no power over me. You know what they were saying? I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's going to turn out exactly like God wants it to turn out. Beloved... I'm going to tell you right now where your problem and my problem often lies in our walk with God. And it's simply this. You and I have got an idea way back here that we might never speak, we might not ever say, we might not ever voice, but we have a way back here that we think it ought to go. We've got a way back here that we think it ought to be occurring. We've got a way, way way back in our brain that we think life ought to happen for us. This decision's going to lead to that thing and that's going to lead to that thing. And at the end of the day, our doubts come from the fact that God does not do it our way. Am I right about it? Yeah. But when you get to the place where you say, God, you can do that. But whether you do, I am going to survive this fire. Beloved, that is a mighty hard place in our faith to get to whenever somebody's dying with cancer and we look at them and we say into their eyeballs and into their heart, we know that God can heal you. But whether God heals you like I think He ought to heal you, God is going to heal you. Because whether they die with cancer or whether they're healed of cancer, they're going to be healed of cancer at the end of the day. Do you know why? Because when this chapter ends, the story is not over. Our lives right now are just the prelude to the greater story of eternal glory and power and grace and bliss. And ladies and gentlemen, somebody needs to put in their heart and back in their faith that whether it goes like I think it ought to go, my God still is faithful. It might not turn out like I think it ought to And you're not the only one that's ever been that way, dealt with that or battled with that. It was on that ship whenever Paul left Jerusalem, he thought he was headed to Rome. But what he did not realize is a storm was going to shatter that boat in a thousand pieces. But but do you know what happened that day? He got to holding on to that board, bobbing up and down in the Mediterranean like a cork in a pond. He got on that thing and this is what he said. He said, I'm not really worried how I get to Rome. God told me I'm going to go stand there before Nero and whether I go on the side of this board or whether I get on a horse or whether I get back on a ship, there stood by me this night the angel of God whom I am and whom I serve and he told me we would survive. Ladies and gentlemen, the God God of heaven has already given you the promise that fire cannot burn you and that hell cannot touch you and death cannot sting you and sin will not stop you. You've been given the promise of God. And even though I'm not faithful, Christ is faithful. The easiest way to understand that is to say it like this. How many of you know Your children may disappoint you and may not do what you want them to do. But as a parent, it's my job and your job to do what we're supposed to do, whether they do what they're supposed to do. And do not think for one second that your shortcut or your mess up or your offshoot is going to stop God from being God. Do you know why? Christ... Is I just got a glimpse of something? I got a glimpse of bloody Calvary. I just got a glimpse of that lonesome hill on top of that little place where our Savior died. And Jesus had walked and Jesus had fed and Jesus had healed and Jesus had done all of these different things. At one time gathered around the Lord Jesus with 20,000 people, men and women and boys and girls. And He fed them on that hillside that day. I see all those people gathered around Him. But there on top of Golgotha's hill, there was not one of those people that Jesus fed. I see Jesus surrounded by 120 people in that last supper in that upper room and not but one of those people are gathered there with him. I see James and John and Peter up on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. He pled and he poured into their life but yet only see one of those men on top of that mountain. But here's what Jesus said. He said, Father, I do know this one thing. I did not come for them. I came for you and whether they do what they're supposed to do or not, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do because I've been called by you. Ladies and gentlemen, our Savior has not changed Jesus Christ the same yesterday. He's the same today. And He's the same forevermore. And He always abides faithful. No matter how you and I abide. Can I give you this third way you know you'll survive the fire? It's in verse number 18. Third way you know you'll survive the fire is because Christ is worthy. Watch what it says in verse number 18. But if not... But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship thy golden image which thou hast set up. They address three things in that passage. They address the king, they address the gods, and they address the gold. King, we will not bow to you. The gods, we will not serve you. And the gold we will not turn because of you. Why? We found somebody better. I found somebody better than you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. I found somebody greater than you, gods of Babylon. I found something more precious than you, gold and silver and idols that have been made out of those gold and silver bars. Ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, that fire may come and that fire may burn and you will have to go through the suffering and you will have to go through the trying. But at the end of the day, you will survive because Christ is worthy. What is that talking about? When I got saved, the book of Colossians says, Christ is in me. So therefore, when I get put in the fire, I'm not the only one in the fire. So if I don't survive the fire, guess who goes down with me? Christ. So watch what the fire does. The fire only burns what is not pure. Therefore... If I, listen, I didn't tell you you're going to go through problems and come out on the other side okay. No. Some of you are going to come out maimed. Some of you are going to come out burnt. Some of you are going to turn out different. You're going to come out changed. You know why? Because the fire always alters. But you know what it alters? It only alters that which is not pure. And right now, Inside of Tyler, in the very bosom of my soul is the Holy Spirit of God. And so the fire that I go through, it's not going to kill me. It's only going to burn away what is not looking like Jesus Christ. gonna put it to you like this. You ever gone through a trial, fire, and I mean that, that temper like a flame. I mean, son, you're looking for a baseball bat. You ever gone through a trial and you're looking for a way to lie your way out of it? You ever gone through a fire and you're trying to figure out how can I shortcut this thing? And if you go through a fire right, you'll get to the end of it. And this is what you'll say. All that stuff I worried about before this started, none of it matters like it used to. This week is the anniversary of my wife's sister's death. Her car wreck was seven years ago yesterday. You know, me and Erica, we used to fuss over a lot of stuff. We, we never had big fusses. We argued over what everybody argues over. What do you want to eat for lunch today? What's for dinner tonight? You know, what's your? what do you think? We ju- we've never argued over big stuff. We just never have. We always would get into that piddly stuff. That day, that morning, November the 12th, that morning, Erica had taken Ella with her. Ella was supposed to stay with me. But, you know, I'm the man of God. Yeah, I can't be bothered with such menial little trivial things. And so, man, we fussed and we fought. and We fussed and we fought. It's your... You need to... I just need... Can I have just five minutes to myself? Erica, just back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, little, little fires like that don't tend to stay little fires. Any other married people know what I'm talking about? You know, little fires tend to build into bonfires. <laughs> and bonfires, if not dealt with, will lead to wildfires, and wildfires will burn down an entire forests. Right? Let me put it to you like this Well, it's your time to watch the kid. Well, I'm always the one that does stuff around here. In fact, now would be a good time to bring up all the stuff I do around here. And all the stuff you don't Come on now, don't y'all sit over here, this alto hypocrite section. Don't y'all sit over there and act like y'all don't do that. Yeah, yeah. We'd had one of those come to Jesus moments that morning. Help me, Scott. I was so mad all day long. All day. All day. I mean, just... And it's amazing how we stew all day long. Three o'clock that afternoon, my phone rang, Zerica, and I thought, finally, she's calling to apologize. <laughs> I answered the phone, hello, and just immediately I could hear the panic. Where are you? You got to get to Cone. It's my sister. And I was thrown into a fire with my family. Do you know what that fire did? In a moment, it burned away all that stuff that just didn't matter. We don't tend to fuss over stuff like that anymore. Do you know why? Because we survived that fire and it burned away everything that didn't look like Christ in it. And At the end of the day, we realize one thing. Christ is worthy. And so I've come to tell somebody this morning at 9 a.m., you can survive the fire. Somebody this morning needs to grab an altar and say, God, I know you're able.